ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good afternoon, this is Chickie Fitzgerald, and we have a really unique show for you today. We have with us today Adam Levin, and he is a consumer advocate with more than 30 years of experience, a nationally recognized expert on cybersecurity, privacy, identity theft, fraud, and personal finance. And, you know, this is just such a timely topic. We're going to be talking about his book, which is called Swiped. Welcome, Adam. Well, thank you for inviting me. Well, it is our pleasure. Uh, I've got just an amazing producer who uh, is really good at unearthing really interesting topics. And uh, while this is a little bit out of the ordinary for us, uh, again, as I said, with with what everyone has been hearing so much about with the Equifax breach, uh, it just couldn't be more timely. Well, yeah, unfortunately, it is timely. You know, I, I... I think it's very important, though, for people to understand one thing that that maybe a lot of people have been blocking, (laughs) because it's an emotional thing, and that is that Equifax has placed an exclamation point on the whole subject area, but if you really think about it and you think back on all the headlines that we've read over all the years, even before Target, which was probably one of the most iconic breaches anyone had ever experienced, um, there have been so many breaches there has been so much information uh, released out there. There have been there's been so much oversharing on social media right. that um, the only reason why many of us had not become victims of identity theft yet is simply because the bad guys haven't gotten around to us. Exactly. Uh, in, exactly. In well, t- before we jump into the meat of the book, and you know, I know you've got a hard stop today at twelve thirty, so I want to be mindful of of time. But I would like for you to give us just a little bit of your personal thumbnail, uh, you know, your background, and and how you got to the place where this book just had to be written. Well, I was uh, trained as an attorney. I was very involved in in public service uh, for many years. I was uh, Consumer Affairs Director for the state of New Jersey for five years. I was twice nominated to run for the United States House of Representatives uh, from New Jersey. Uh, I started a company in 1993 uh, called Credit.com, which was one of the original dot-coms, and it was Mm. really one of the first online companies focused on consumer credit education, information, products, and services, uh, we were the first company to come out with the concept of the credit report card, right. uh, where you would you would be able to actually uh, understand, based on the five elements of credit, uh, what your appropriate score should be, and ways that you could dramatically improve that score so that you could get to where you wanted to be and have access to the best product product credit products. And services at the at the at, at the best rates. Uh, in 2003, I founded a company called Identity Theft 911, mm. uh, which was really the first company in the identity theft space uh, created with a core competence specifically for resolution for help putting people back together again. 
because uh, I had seen so many people suffer through so many things when I was head of consumer affairs and then also with credit.com and that the whole purpose of identity theft number one is to educate people as to the dangers out there uh, involving your identity and then to help you get through that disaster, not by way of, oh, here's a list of tips right. or uh, good luck, uh, read everything you can. We, we actually have a, 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 a huge resolution service that focuses on nothing but putting people back together again after they uh, become victims. That company has morphed into Cyber Scout, and that's because we're now global. Many companies around the world, countries around the world, don't know 911 as an emergency number. <laughs> right, uh, so, right. So we, we moved to the name Cyber Scout. We have uh, approximately 45 million consumers through 660 institutions, 770,000 businesses through uh, cyber liability policies. Right. Uh, we do right. identity theft education, resolution, identity management. Breach preparedness, breach response, forensics, which is how did it happen and how can we right. make sure stuff like this doesn't happen, uh, election security and high net worth. So very involved in the area. It is a fascinating area. It's a terrifying area, right, and it's right. one that hasn't received enough enough uh, attention. Exactly. Well, Adam, the, the subtitle of this book is How to Protect Yourself of Scammers, Fishers, and Identity Thieves. But... At the very start of the book, you, you actually start really at the beginning, right? An overview of the problem and what's in a name and, and absolutely what's in a number, which we live in this world of numbers. So, so talk to us a little bit about this overview of the problem. Well, I think the most important thing the book tries to convey is that because of all the breaches that have happened, and because of all the oversharing that occurs, even as we talk, as talk about in the book, uh, where this young man ends up becoming a victim of identity theft purely because he was working at a uh, Target, that someone took a picture, that it went viral, that he ended up becoming sort of a celebrity, was on Ellen, because uh, she, she found him through the Twitter storm that was created about him, mm -hmm and that he and his family ultimately became targets for hate uh, and for identity theft. Uh, and again, through no fault of his own. So, you know, a lot of people would like to tell you that you can prevent identity theft. You can't. Now, that may be a sobering reality, but you can't. And in fact, the companies that used to tell you that they could prevent identity theft have pretty much been slammed by the Federal Trade Commission and have changed the way they approach things. So because of the breaches, because of the oversharing, because so many people are getting fished uh, by hackers and scammers and identity thieves, there is an inevitability. Breaches have become the third certainty in life, and it is inevitable that each and every one of us will become a victim of some form of identity theft. In fact, probably multiple forms of identity theft, because you can do everything right. But all you need to be, as for instance, what happened with Equifax, if you're on the wrong database at the wrong moment and your information is exposed uh, to a bad guy and that as part of the information that's exposed is your social security number, you will be looking over your shoulder for the rest of your life. So in that environment, what do you do? And the book is really dedicated toward talking about the three M's, uh, 
how do you minimize your risk of exposure, reduce your attackable surface? How do you effectively monitor? And how can you manage the damage? Right. And, you know, you, you also point out that we, we are in tune with thinking about fraud, um, about credit cards, but not necessarily all of the other kinds of identity theft. So can you talk to us a little bit about the types of identity theft? Uh, I, the first one that fascinates me is spies in your home. And uh, I have been having a problem with my computer of late where, you know, just out of nowhere, my camera will come on. Right. And, and, you know, that had never happened before. And, you know, I've certainly been talking to Apple about it because I've been a Mac user for 30-some years. And uh, anyway, so, so spies in your home is perhaps one of the things that uh, sounds the scariest because it violates, it violates us in every way, right? Oh, absolutely. And the way spies get into your home is through Internet of Things devices, mm-hmm. which now number 8 billion and growing. They estimate that within the next few years, we'll be up to 50 billion Internet of Things devices worldwide. And this is everything from your coffee pot to your automobile mm-hmm. uh, to your HVAC system, your security system, your baby monitor, uh, apps that you use to raise and lower your heat when you're away from your home, all of these different devices. Your big screen TV. You know, mm-hmm. Samsung issued an alert as part of the process of setting up your TV where you understand the fact that you can actually be spied on by your television. It could even be listening to you, and therefore you need to disable certain things or change passwords and the like. See, a lot of people don't, don't realize that each of these devices, of these electronic devices and other devices and appliances and everything, they come with a manufacturer default password. And in most cases, those default passwords are weak. But even when they're not weak, they've been stolen. That if you go to websites on the dark web that are selling purloined information, you can literally find almost every default password for every one of those devices. Mm -hmm. So you need to read the manual and you need to change the passwords to passwords that are long and strong. Uh, And and there have been incidents, for instance, there was one a few years ago, where 73,000 computers from around the world had been hijacked, basically, by Russian hackers who then ran the, the, the media that was coming through these cameras. And these were computer cameras for the most part ran the, through a website in Russia where anyone could go from anywhere around the world and see people living their lives and wow. in many times in, in very intimate situations. So uh, it was one where you became the star of your own reality show, but you didn't know it. Yikes. And this information. So do you have any of these devices in your home? That's what I want to know. <laughs> oh, I have lots of devices in my home, but I also have, I have a, a, a tech team that I work with who came in, and they changed every password on every device. We also changed the password on the router that is, as you know, the sort of the conduit into the home. 
right. and these are the these are the kinds of things that we have to do. Just like I mean, remember in the old days, you could simply get out of your car, and ten minutes before your flight was taking off, you could just walk right to your gate and get on your plane. And obviously, right. the world has changed. You can't do that. And just like you know, there were the the, the common, uh, as you had mentioned, the common conception of. Identity theft was always, oh, somebody got their hands on my credit card, or they opened a new credit card account in my name. Well, you know, now we have an entire food chain in the identity theft world. You have, yes, you have the what's called account takeover. That's when someone gets a hold of your the information on your credit or debit card, and they use that to access existing credit card accounts or even your bank account. So if you look at the food chain, first is credit card compromise where you make a phone call and actually you change a number and you have pretty much zero liability, so you move on. Uh, the only thing you have to do is make sure that anyone that direct debits your credit card knows that it's a new credit card number so you're not late on anything and they don't get upset with you. The right, problem right. is once you get to your bank, if it's your ATM card, that means they could access your bank account and unless you're watching, money could be drained from your account. And even if the bank agrees that you were a victim and agrees to return your money, Many of them could take up to, once you find it and alert them to it, it they could take up to 10 days in order to retor, return the money to you. So right. if this is money you need for groceries or for rent or your mortgage payment or a tuition payment or something like that, <clears throat> you, could, you could be in an embarrassing or dangerous situation. Then you get to where they create new accounts in your name and your credit score can be destroyed. Your credit can be destroyed. You then have to go around and make sure that every institution that thinks you opened an account when you didn't knows it wasn't you, and that's a time-consuming and frustrating process. Then there is medical identity theft. That's where something you're using your information actually gets medical treatment or exams uh, either under your insurance or where you end up getting the bill, which could put you in a financial bind. Right. Not only that, their information could go commingled with yours, your blood type could change, uh, allergies you have to medications could disappear, new ones could appear. Mm-hmm. If you're treated based on that information, you could die. Exactly. Um, you, you have tax fraud where someone files a, a, a tax return using your social security mm-hmm. number or that of your children. And when you try to file a return, you're blocked or you're waiting for a refund and it doesn't show up. Or someone gets a job using your social security number and the income gets reported to you, and the IRS comes after you for a uh, deficiency in uh, in your tax return, uh, which could be a very agonizing process. Right, right. Or you could become a victim of um, criminal identity theft, which is where you're driving down the street, you're pulled over for a busted taillight, suddenly you're surrounded by guys with guns, you're handcuffed and hauled off to jail, sometimes in front of your wife and children or, uh, you know, her uh, husband and kids. So this right. is scary stuff. And Or child identity theft, where some a child has no clue their information is being used in connection with creation of accounts or medical identity theft or fraud, and they don't find out until they're 17, 18 years old where they go for their first apartment where they need to have credit or their first car loan or mm-hmm. a loan in connection with their education. Kids don't check their credit. Most parents don't check their children's credit. And a child could be destroyed before he or she ever gets going. So, oh, I mean, these amazing. are the I kinds of things we face. 
Adam, I'd like to uh, spend uh, some significant time talking about uh, social media, do's and don'ts. Sure. Because right now, I mean, I've got a, a 19-year-old daughter and a 17-year-old son. Now, my 17-year-old my son is much more circ- circumspect about what he posts. And, you know, it's pretty much pictures of fish, and that's, you know, that's just about it. Um, my daughter, you know, not, not quite as careful. And, and I know a lot of us... Um, you know, unwittingly say things on social media that that put us at risk. Uh, last week, uh, as I had mentioned before we started the show, I live in Tampa, and you know we were all going through uh, you know just a lot of oversharing on social media about our decision whether we were going to leave home or not. And then somebody I saw somebody post, "Hey, don't talk about whether you're leaving or staying because you know there are people who are stalking, you know, those who are." Saying that they're going to leave, and then you know they'll come and ransack your house. So, so uh, what? Absolutely. What are the top social media do's and don'ts? Well, a do if you can find a way to let's say use a nickname on social media as opposed to your full name or your real name, not a bad idea. As long as you make sure that the only people that have access to your social media are people who really are your friends, who you know. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes people who are not your friends somehow get involved with your social media and you have a problem. Right. So anything you can do in order to confuse someone as to your identity is a good thing on social media. You don't need to put your real birth date on social media. Um, If you feel the compulsion, and many people do, To be congratulated by thousands of people they know, they don't know, and perhaps they would never want to know, uh, then just put the month and the day, not the year, or lie about the year. Um, Don't tell people where you're going, uh, when you're leaving, how long you're going to be gone, and when you're going to be back. Uh, You know, I think it's much wiser to share the memory than live with someone in real time as you're going through the experience because you open yourself up to to hackers, uh, you open yourself up to uh, burglars and to stalkers if they know where you are. Because also if they know where you are, they know where you're not. Um, I advise people be very careful when you take photographs that you may not realize it, but you're giving away more information than you think. Because let's say your home number is in the picture or some familiar marker is in the picture that someone who is stalking you or wants to burglarize you, um, they see and they go, okay, they always seem to be posting near this. Let me see if I can zero in more and more on uh, on, on where they are. Uh, there are many websites that do not remove or scramble geotags. Now, geotags are put on digital pictures Uh, They come because people fail to disable what's called location services, either on their phones or other digital devices they use to take photographs. And that means that someone can figure out where and when you took the photograph. So, for example, it's your child's two-year-old birthday. You are posting wildly, uh, contemporaneously, as the party is going on in a park. And you go, oh, we're so excited. It's Susie's birthday. She's two today. Now you've told somebody uh, essentially who she is, how old she is, and where she is. 
Right. And by following you on social media, they may be able to determine by looking at other pictures that you often go to that park with Susie. And that means one day someone could show up and say, Susie, I feel terrible. I missed your birthday. I told mommy about it. Listen, I have a very special present for you. Come with me. Right. Or people will say, look at my new piece of jewelry. Look at my new car. Look at my new electronic system. Look at the new coolest thing that I just got. And if the geotag is still on, they know what it is. They know where it is. And they can essentially figure out when you decided to tell people about this and figure out what they need to do to haul it off. Right, so right. it's very important to be to be very careful about that. Make sure your privacy settings on all your social networking sites are as tightly locked down as possible. Make sure you use two-factor authentication for your social networking sites. So that means that any time that we begin, someone would begin to log on as you, you're notified. Right. So that and usually then a code is required to be entered from your phone or you get security questions or they get security questions. Now, the only problem with security questions is that we post so much information about who we are, where we live, where we went to school, what we like, um, right. what our favorite color is, what our favorite band is. And many of these tidbits of information end up as answers to security questions. Uh, in order to determine a website to determine who you are, if that's really you. Mm-hmm. So I suggest to people, lie like a superhero. Clark can't <laughs> ever tell people he's Superman. Bruce Wayne doesn't talk about the fact that he's Batman. Right. Uh, maybe Wonder Woman knows, but not Monica. Mon- so um, when they ask you for your mother's maiden name, why? Uh, when they ask you about, you know, your school mascot. Unfortunately, it's out there a lot, but why or where you went to high school or whatever. Right. And the reason is that all a website is, cares about is when they ask you a question, the answer you provide is the same answer you provided when you set up the question. Exactly. That's That <coughs> one is – that's probably the best piece of advice I've ever heard uh, on this but, topic. But remember one thing, Jackie, and that is – don't be so creative, you can't remember the answers you're getting. Oh, true, true. <laughs> um, also on social networking, be very careful when someone sends you something, <clears throat> excuse me, and it contains a link. Don't click on that link. A lot of people put malware on links because they expect people are going to open them through social networking. That right. malware could infect your computer so that your computer becomes a transmitter. So that means that every time you get on your computer and you log into a website in particular, email, social networking, or financial, that that information is being transmitted to the hackers. Right. Uh, so be careful. But that should be a, a cyber hygiene rule for everybody. Even when you receive something in your email, even if you think it's coming from someone you know, ask them if they, in fact, sent you a link. And even then, remember that they could have received the link from someone And that someone could have been a hacker. Exactly, exactly. So one of the other things um, that you talk about uh, is, I mean, we've talked a lot about uh, individual security. And and businesses have this, you know, the same problem. And you've got one chapter in the book called Culture Eats Strategy. Yes. Um, Give me some insight on that. 
Okay, well, Bruce Schneier from the Electronic Frontier Foundation, and now he's off doing many other things, and he's sort of a world-famous um, thought leader in the uh, cyber area, he made a statement once that I think is, is really on point, and that is that if you think that technology is the solution to your security issues, then you don't understand the technology and you don't understand security. And if you combine that with Peter Drucker's statement, culture eats strategy, you can, you can kind of see where I'm going, which is that a lot of institutions, where they can afford it, and so many can't, but where they can afford it, they spend a fortune on technology because they think technology will shield them. The problem is it's about people, but it doesn't matter how secure your system is. It's all about the weakest link, and historically, people are the weakest link. So as a company, you can do everything right, but if you have one person in your organization that clicks on the wrong link at the wrong moment or connects a personal device that doesn't have the property security protocols on it and malware ends up in your system, you could have a hacker, for example, Equifax, lurking around your system, and they could have access to the information on, depending upon the size of your business, hundreds of customers and employees, all the way up to tens of millions of employees or customers. So you need to create a culture of privacy and security. You need to create a culture where every human being in your organization, from the mailroom to the boardroom, understands the threats, understands the rules of the road, knows that they need long and strong passwords, knows that they need to not use passwords they use in their private lives, um, uses two-factor, that your business uses two-factor authentication, that your right. employees use two-factor authentication in their lives, that you have a chief information security officer because you care that much about security. People go, hey, I have an IT department. Let me tell you, the most dangerous words in the English language when uttered by someone in the IT department is, don't worry, we got it. Um, <laughs> you need people that, that look at it with a fresh set of eyes, that are only right. looking at it from a security standpoint, not will it work. You need to monitor your systems to make sure that you don't have a situation where a vulnerability has occurred because let's say you did an upgrade or a vendor you used did an upgrade and all of a sudden it's not patched and all of a sudden, like what happened in Equifax, tens of millions of people are exposed. Uh, you need to monitor your systems to make sure that information isn't being exfiltrated from it. Right. Uh, you need to have a plan. What happens if something goes wrong? Because unfortunately it's inevitable something will. And the plan you have has to reflect as a company that you are urgently, transparently, and empathetically responding to the problem and taking care of the people who work for you and the people who have entrusted your data to you and the people who are your customers. Right, right. Adam, it has been wonderful uh, to get this level of, of insight for those who uh, haven't been paying very close attention to this topic. We've been talking to Adam Levin, the author of Swiped, how to protect yourself in a world full of scammers, fishers, and identity thieves. Adam, is there one last thing you want to leave with folks before uh, we, we close off our show today? I really do, and it's the paraphrase of President Reagan. And, the, and, and this is what has to be your mantra in the online world, and that is 
Never trust, always verify. Great, great. Well, Adam, it has been terrific. Thank you so, so much. And if you're going to be a game changer, you got to make sure you're protecting yourself, whether whether you're an individual or you're a company or you're a new entrepreneur, make sure to make it a priority. Thanks for joining us today on the Game Changer Network, and we will see you next week. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. With Chickie Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald.